welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Our theme for this August 2015 episode is the 101 best websites for genealogy of 2015. We'll start things off over at the news and the blogosphere with Diane Haddad. She'll be here to share some tips that she's picked up from the researchers of the television series, Who Do You Think You Are? And then we'll jump right into that 101 best websites list with the author of the list, David Frixell. In the Family Tree University Crash Course segment, Allison Dolan's going to team up with me to talk about the upcoming fall virtual conference. And specifically, I'll be sharing some website tips from my conference class all about online public records. And finally, we'll wrap things up again with Allison over at the publisher's desk, and she'll be talking about all the improvements over at FamilySearch.org. There's a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the news from the blogosphere with Diane Haddad. Well, it's time for the news from the blogosphere. And to do that, we will head to the Genealogy Insider blog with Diane Haddad. Hi, Diane. Hello. Hey, Diane, in this episode, we are going to focus in on this year's 101 best websites list. And right in line with that is a great article that you posted uh, recently at your Genealogy Insider blog that featured tips from the researchers behind the TV series, Who Do You Think You Are? And I'm hoping that uh, you could share some of those search tips so that we can use them as we're digging into all these 101 websites. Yeah, these are search tips that help people use um, genealogy database sites to find their ancestors. Great. So when we hit a website and they go, ah, we've got a records database here and there's a search box, how to get the most use of it. What was one of the first tips that uh, the researchers shared with you? Well, first, obviously, start with a name, um, but you don't have to add everything that you know or that you know that you understand to be true about your ancestor. You can start with just a name, see what kind of results you get, and then start adding a birth year, or a birthplace, um, the place where the person lived, um, depending what the search form on that site lets you do, and that way. Sometimes the things that we understand to be true aren't actually the case, so that helps you kind of catch those records that um, that might have information that that you didn't realize was the case about your ancestor. So starting broad and then narrowing in with more search terms. Right, kind of cast a big net and then pull it in a little bit as you go. <laughs> yeah. And then we get a, a search results list, um, and sometimes there's lots of results. How did they deal with that? Well, most websites will prioritize your um, list of results according to the the matches that that site thinks are closest. And of course, it's not always right, you know. But they're they're pretty good at it. So pay the most attention to those matches, and then as you go down the list, um, eventually you'll get to a place where th- these people clearly are not related to you. So don't spend your entire day looking at you know the twentieth page of your matches. That can be very frustrating. <laughs> kind of focus on the, the cream that rose to the top, not <laughs> all the stuff underneath. Um, right. Well, that makes sense. And then we can use the filters. And a lot of websites are getting more and more sophisticated with filters. How do they work with yeah. those? 
With filters allow you to sort your matches so that you can view only results for people who were born in a certain place or who lived in a certain place or from certain collections. So if you're searching, you know, all of the census records on Ancestry.com and you already know that where the person was in 1880 because you found that record, you can focus in on the 1900 census or the 1870 census using the filters um, for their categories. You'd pick the census category and then you'd pick the 1870 census category so that you can not look at all of the results that you've already seen. Yeah, exactly. And and when we're looking for kind of less common names, what were some of the ideas that were thrown about in terms of um, there's names that are very common, common in the English language, and then there's other names very unique. Does that make a mm-hmm. difference? Um, it's a lot easier to find those unique names. They'll kind of jump out at you. So if you have someone with a unique name, like I have Leyden Cotters in my family, and just about mm-hmm. every Leyden Cotter I've ever found has been related to me. So that's a really good unique name. When I'm searching for my um, great-great-grandfather, Henry Seeger, I can use a search form to add a relative who would be Francisca Leidencotter. And so um, having that name with the record would help me find my Henry Seeger. And, you know, not one of the 400 other Henry Seegers that were alive at the same time. Exactly. That's kind of where the whole family group becomes helpful. Because even though dad's name may be John, there might be some Mm -hmm. very unique uh, child in that list who could kind of Mm -hmm. help us target the family. I mean, I I love that. Uh, Any other tips that uh, you've got there from the blog post? Most sites will have some kind of search tips form that lets you see whether you can use wild cards, which is when um, you can use an asterisk usually to represent zero or more letters in a name, you know, if you're looking for variant spellings or a question mark to represent one letter, or, you know, they might have search rules like um, you can use a wild card at the beginning but not the end or something like that. So most sites will have um, some kind of search tips or a help form or something to help you um, become really familiar with that with that site. So don't be afraid to go look for those um, tips, ask questions on a help forum because there will be people who either work with the site or who are really experienced who will lend you, um, give you some good advice. I think that's great advice. Sometimes it's that upfront effort that you make to find out what's unique about the way that database is searched could save you so much time. I mean, that's yeah. the thing is we have such limited time. If you can save a little bit um, using those kinds of um, items, plus those operators can certainly get you better matches. And when that's I think true. of search operators, I think of uh, Google.com. You know, we've been talking about websites that have records databases, and that's a really good distinction. I know you and I were talking about that um, it's important for people to understand that while Google can search websites, it doesn't dig into databases, subscription areas, Excel spreadsheets, those things that are attached to websites, right? Yeah, and sometimes there will be a genealogy website, and it will have... um a search box powered by Google. And when you use that search box, that means that you're looking for actual words on the site. So there might be an index of birth records in that area and the, you know, all the names are actually on a web page. And that Google search box won't search um, any kind of database on the site. So there might be both 
those indexes right on the web pages, and there might also be separate databases that you can search. So you have to go find those databases and search those using, you know, whatever searchability the site has. Exactly. You know, one of the things I, I talk about in, in my book um, that I wrote about Google search is that um, when you get to a website and there is no search this website box, um, you can still search an entire website, as you said, not the databases, the Excel spreadsheets. But if you're looking to comb through all the text really fast, you can go to google.com, type in whatever keyword or words that you're looking for, and then you put in site, S-I-T-E colon, and copy and paste the home address for that website right in next to it. And when you run the search, Google is only searching that website. And I love that because then you can uh, grab keywords and, and pages out of a site very quickly, even if there's hundreds and hundreds of pages. And sometimes that's a better search than what's actually on the site. So, Well, yeah, because I, that technology is so different depending on which, you know, search engine or how proficient the uh, programmer is. So, right. so true. It never hurts to search it yeah. a second time. And, I, you know, it's funny, what are you were mentioning to me, and I, I want you to share with our audience, sometimes you get into trouble when you're searching a site using a search box. And sometimes it's our own little challenge, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Tell us about that, what you run yeah. into. We'll get um, questions every so often from people, you know, if we said, oh, this, this database is free to search and people will go search it and they'll end up on a subscription website and they'll ask us, how does this happen? I thought it was supposed to be free. <laughs> and what happens is that a lot of um, volunteer run free sites will have advertisements. That's how they are able to offer the information to you. So it'll have an mm-hmm. advertisement and the advertisement is actually a search box for Ancestry.com or some other subscription website. So if you accidentally put your search terms in that little search box in the ad instead of in the, um, it's happened to me on Find a Grade before, instead of in that search box, your search results will all be from Ancestry.com or whatever subscription site it is. So you click on a search result and you go to that subscription site. So you just have to be careful that you're using the right search box. That's so true. I've even done that as well, because some of them are very effective. They look Mm -hmm. like they're built right into the website. And um, hmm, I guess that's why they do that. (laughs) Effective advertising. (laughs) Well, these are all effective search strategies. And and you'll find them at uh, Diane's blog post on the Genealogy Insider blog. The post is called Eight Quick Genealogy Website Search Strategies. And we'll have a link directly to it in the show notes. Great ideas. Thanks so much, Diane. You're welcome. We're going to throw together our top tip segment and the 101 best website segment in this episode so that we have lots of time with David Frixell, who compiled this year's 101 best genealogy websites list. Hi, David. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always nice to have you back. And once again, you're at it. You're putting together this 101 best websites list, of course, for genealogy. And this year, you're kind of um, celebrating a bit of a birthday for the list, aren't you? Tell us about that. That's right. Well, we took the, the theme of Sweet 16 um, because this is the 16th time that we've uh, done the 101 Best Website list. And I think I've done well, about a dozen of those. Um, so you could sort of view it as uh, like a 16th birthday party, or if you're a basketball fan, it's kind of like the uh, you know Sweet 16 of um, 
the NCAA tournament. So we had 16 different categories, and I sort of tried to play off that theme um, a little bit because, uh, of course, having done it 16 times, we're always looking for fresh ways to, you know, put a spin on the uh, classic 101 best websites. Exactly. It's it's probably getting harder and harder to keep it at 101. <laughs> There's so many websites oh, yeah. out there now. I bet back Absolutely. in the day, it was hard to just get 100 of them, right? Well, back in the day, when we first started it out, you know, we had websites on there that were, you know, a compilation of, of tips, you know, sort mm-hmm. of things. And it's like, oh, you know, look here, 10 ideas to find your German roots. We'll put that on there <laughs> with that level of, you know. Yeah. Now it's like, uh, oh, that database only has 40 million names. I'm not sure it's going to make it. Exactly. Our expectations have just changed completely. Exactly. What's called the social media type things. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it has certainly evolved over the years quite a good deal. Well, who are some of the exciting newcomers to the party this year? Well, this year, one of the things I, I noticed was that some of the newcomers are, they're not so much sites that have the host the data themselves or the tips or whatever, um, but that are newer, sometimes more efficient ways of getting at that data. So they're sort of souped up um, search sites. There's one called Moose Roots, for example, and I have no idea why it's called that. It's moose like <laughs> bullwinkle moose. Um, and it, it has more than a billion historical records that it searches. But what's really cool about it is that once it, you, you find stuff on it, it then puts the finds in historical context. So you can see, oh, you know, 1884, here's what was happening um, in 1884. So it's sort of like, you know, the love child of, uh, you know, uh, family search and Wikipedia in a way um, of having uh, those things um, combined. So we thought that was cool. Um, another site is called Genealogy Gophers, and it's just gengophers.com. Lots of animals and, this year. Yes, I know. <laughs> I, yeah, there's actually there's one more, as you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't stumbled on that as a theme. But um, at Genealogy Gophers searches uh, about 40,000 out-of-copyright works that have been digitized by FamilySearch. Now, you could just go to FamilySearch and what's digitized and search them there. But Genealogy Gophers has this, sophisticated software that sort of cuts through the clutter for you. So it will, it's smart enough, if you will, to expand abbreviations. So if your ancestor's in there as WM, it will look, it's smart enough to find, understand that that means William. Uh, so that's very cool. So it's a better searching mechanism. And then it gives you the source title plus the little snippet view so that you don't go wasting your time on something that's you know maybe not um, actually all that useful. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then the the third animal themed um, uh, new site that's all, another search thing is called Elephant, um, like elephant, but P H I N D, um, as in finding. Mm-hmm. And its specialty is online newspapers, and so it goes to uh, something like twenty seven hundred newspaper titles. 142 million items, including it's got a lot on Australia, if you have roots there. Um, and a lot of these are ones that you might be aware of, like the Library of Congress uh, collection, for example. But this searches them all at once, and its search is just blazingly fast. And, I mean, I, I just in playing with it, I found, um, you know, the, the uh, Rock Island, Illinois newspaper uh, listing for my grandparents' um, wedding that I, you know, would never have thought to have looked there for. I didn't know that that paper was online. 
But mm-hmm. Zoom, you know, you just type in a, a name or two, um, and it uh, it's just, you know, blazingly fast. You know, sort of, again, cuts through the clutter. So they're not types that necessarily are hosting a whole lot of information, but they're making it easier to find the information that's out there. And there's so much out there now. Well, I think that's really a reflection of just what we were talking about. The idea that, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was a big deal just to have a couple of articles. And now, you know, it's no big deal to have 40 million uh, records. Exactly. So really, right. the, the cutting edge technology is all about how to access it and get through the clutter so that you can still spend a reasonable amount of time uh, looking at real records that pertain to your search. I mean, uh, we can all get bogged down with zillions of, of results, but it's getting the ones that really match. And it sounds like that's what they're really targeting and specifically for genealogies. So that's kind of exciting. Yeah, it was really cool. And cut, now some of the sites that are new or featured this year, of course, are in a more traditional way presenting new data. Mm-hmm. There are two that in particular that relate to researching African-American ancestors. Um, one's called Mapping the Freedmen's Bureau. Oh, yeah. And what what they've done is basically figure, again, until they're telling you where to find the, the data, you has field offices on a map of that bureau, the, the Freedmen's Bureau, uh, slave ancestors, post-slave. And when you click on the field office, a pop-up shows you the National Archives microfilm plus links to digitized records at, at FamilySearch. So it's just like, yeah, a, a very smart use of, of technology. And then there's there's one called the Transatlantic Slave Trade, which this one is an actual group of databases, and it just shows what it is possible to do. They cover more than 35,000 slave voyages and 90-some thousand Africans taken from captured slave ships or African trading sites, and all that information is online. So if you think about back to the, you know, the original routes, and all the effort to, you know, find Kunta Kinte. Mm-hmm. Um, he might have been, had a much, it probably wouldn't have been a very interesting book if he just clicked on, you know, the, uh, a couple of databases. But, <laughs> Can you uh, imagine? What it's making available is just pretty, it's pretty astonishing. Yeah, it really is. Those are fantastic sites. Um, you know, one of the other areas that I see kind of emerging in your list is um, you have a category called sharing the family fun. And that's becoming more and more of an issue, isn't it? Is, um, tools and sites that help us share the family history, get the storytelling out there, um, involve the family in kind of new ways. Tell us what some of the sites were that made that list. Well, one of the new ones is one called family.me. Mm-hmm. And it, it's sort of, again, it combines social networking with online trees. At the same time, it, try, it taps into the records on family search. And that's another trend is um, as family search has grown, um, we're seeing new tools that take advantage of that in one way or another. Um, so it's it's really all about collaboration, you know. So yeah. uh, one family member doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting uh, on genealogy. And uh, again, those tools making it possible, you know, not just to you know share pictures of your cat, adorable they might be, but <laughs> to share you know family history finds, for example. Um, it really makes it uh, a much more collaborative effort and you can get the whole family um, involved in it and maybe, you know, sucker some of those uh, cousins into being amateur genealogists too. Exactly. Or at least thinking of us first when they find something. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we love when one of those uh, surprise packages comes in the mail. And, you know, speaking of cats, now we all love our cat videos on YouTube. 
Um, I have to say, I was really happy personally to see that YouTube had made the list. So tell us, what prompted you this year to embrace YouTube as one of the best places for genealogists to spend their time online? Well, I have to confess, I mean, nobody was more surprised than I, really, because you don't think of YouTube in that way. Right. You think of it as, you know, cat videos and um, amateur comedians and you know, would-be teen heartthrobs, and there's all this sort of, you know, stuff out there. But there's a gold mine on there for us, isn't there? But the number of videos now posted by experts, um, by places like, you know, archives and um, Smithsonian and places like that, Mm -hmm. telling you how to use um, their records, uh, it's, it's like you could, by just searching for genealogy videos, you can, in effect, create your own genealogy channel just on, on YouTube um, and probably not getting genealogy done because you're so busy watching. <laughs> uh, but it's, it, it's an amazing resource now. And something that, again, if you think about it, the thought that, oh, I would just be able to go on the Internet and watch videos that tell me how to do genealogy. A few years ago, that would have seemed impossible, you know. Right. Um, but now, you know, Family Tree Magazine is doing... Um, all kinds of webinars and videos and, and things. And, you know, I've done um, some of them for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, with YouTube, you really have it all at your fingertips. Uh, it's easy to find them. You know, it's easy to operate the site. Uh, again, what a what an amazing thing. As I say, nobody was more surprised than me to find the, you know, the degree of the depth of genealogy content there. Yeah, you know, and it's amazing because I think genealogists were so forward thinking when the internet came online, when uh, websites started really ramping up. And we were really right out there in the front uh, in terms of technology. But for some reason, the whole video space just kind of, we kind of glossed over that. And it's, it, it is truly a goldmine. And, you know, you touched on something um, briefly there, but I wanted to kind of drive home to our listeners, which is, Yes, there's lots of different um, entities, companies, experts out there who have channels. But if you have a free Google account, you too have a channel on YouTube, whether you know it or not. And as David mentioned, you're surfing the web. You can start adding the videos that you find that are helpful to you or that you want to reference in the future to your account is, in a sense, building your own customized channel. I I love the fact, David, that technology is kind of putting us in the driver's seat so that we can curate uh, the content that really works for us. Well, and, you know, you don't even have to with YouTube now. Um, I don't know. I spend enough time on my computer screen. Sometimes I don't want to be sitting there. It's so easy now. Uh, Most of your uh, TVs and uh, things like TiVo and so forth come with the ability to access YouTube Mm -hmm. on your TV. Or what I like to do is I'll get it on my on my Macintosh, and then I can uh, fling it to my Apple TV and watch it on the big screen right. um, instead of on the you know cramped little laptop screen or sitting in my desk chair. I can you know, be lounging and you know eating potato chips. And, and um, even so, for it doesn't our, have to be that computer experience. Exactly, even for our mobile devices, things like our smartphone and our uh, tablets. Oh, yeah. You know, when YouTube's app first came out, it was kind of clunky. But there's a new version of the YouTube app, so um, it's getting easier and easier to grab the videos that you want to watch. 
Well, it's a great list. And of course, the article is called Sweet 16, Discover the 101 Genealogy Websites that Take the Cake in 2015. And you'll find that in the September 2015 issue of Family Tree Magazine, as well as on the website. And I will have a link directly to it in the show notes. episode all about genealogy websites. Uh, Here in the Family Tree Crash Course, we're going to talk about a resource for you that is going to bring lots of great information uh, about all the wonderful websites that are out there these days. And here to join me to talk about it is Allison Dolan, publisher of Family Tree Magazine. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Well, I know that uh, coming up this fall is yet another virtual conference, and these things have been so popular, and this one is packed full of great info, including info on genealogy websites, right? Absolutely. It's an online conference, and of course, we could not have one of those without talking a bunch about different genealogy websites and online resources. (laughs) And I know the video that I'm uh, contributing this time around for the fall 2015 virtual conference, which runs September 18th through the 20th, is um, public records. And I know you asked me about doing this because there was a lot of interest on this topic, wasn't there? Yeah, actually, this is a topic that came up in a previous virtual conference where we were participating in one of the live chats, and this topic came up. And I personally was amazed to discover how much more public records information is out there than I realized and how even some of the sites that I use for genealogy um, on a regular basis had added databases that were much more recent um, than I realized. So, you know, even databases that would cover like myself or my parents were out there and I didn't even realize it. So it felt like the perfect time to do a new class to kind of give people a refresher on that. Absolutely. And, you know, this is um, an area that I've been using a long time, particularly in researching living relatives, because, uh, you know, we think about interviewing the people in our family that we know that are the oldest in the family. But think about the people in the branches of your family, the people that your grandparents wrote to, and it's their kids. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're living today, they're living relatives, but maybe we've kind of lost touch, or they're just in different clusters of the family, they could have great info. So using these online public record sites is a, is a great way to locate them and get more information. I know I've solved a couple of mysteries this way. You you mentioned looking up yourself. I have one for you that's kind of fun. I, I call it Spookio, but it's actually called Spokio. It's Spokio.com. And uh, this one really is kind of spooky because when you just, just search yourself on it, uh, when you go to Spokio.com and put in your name, you know, you see where you live and who's in your family and a picture sometimes of your house from Google Maps. Uh, It's amazing how in-depth, and it pulls, like you say, from so many different areas around the web. Have you looked yourself up on Spokio? I have not, but I'm going to do that as soon as we finish this interview, I think. <laughs> I know. the other Another one that folks want, want to try out is called peakyou.com, uh, P-E-E-K-Y-O-U.com. Uh, it gives you a lot of detail about people, particularly pulling from Facebook. So even if oh. you, you know, whether you've looked on Facebook or not, or you're friends with somebody or not. Um, it takes a lot less time to search it when you're using Google and it's scouring like more than 60 websites 
um, that range all the way across social media and to into news websites as well. So if somebody you're looking for is popping up in in a news article or something is happening or they've passed away or whatever, um, PQ is really going to give you a much broader sweep of social media and news than just going into Facebook and, and hitting these sites one by one. That's really handy. I was thinking about, too, using these sites as a great way to find people that you've lost track of. Yeah. That may be related to you or may have a connection to the family in some way, such as like an old neighbor. Maybe their kids have some information that you would want or, you know, teachers or church uh, members that your family would have been affiliated using that kind of fan approach. Mm-hmm. But for more recent generations, those friends, associates, and neighbors. Okay, so I have a website for you on that. Oh, you great. It? Yeah, I do. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I just came across this the other day, and it's fascinating. And you're bringing up an interesting point, because I was thinking, oh, I could put my own address in here and see who my neighbors are. But you could put the address where you lived growing up, or your parents or your grandparents, and see if any of the neighbors neighbors are still there. So this website is neighbors.whitepages.com. And it combines uh, the phone book with, again, modern social networking technology, and it puts it all together. And it's like a virtual block party, you put in the address where you once lived or where you live now, and it plots all the people who that they have the names for who live all around you. That's really cool. I was just thinking about my grandparents and um, you know, one of my gr- grandfathers passed away before I was born, and so I don't know a whole lot about him except little bits and pieces that I've gotten from um, my family. And, you know, looking to extend that family a little bit, I thought, well, he was a pharmacist, so maybe I need to look at, you know, who might have frequented that pharmacy or, you know, what other businesses were in the area where he might have known those people. And so that sounds like Mm -hmm. a really great tool to help me with that little genealogical search. It's amazing. And it's it's funny, because a lot of these, you know, obviously, these websites are not genealogy websites, they're, they're out there in the tech world serving lots of different purposes. But I think they're, they're awesome for genealogy. Tell us about some of the other classes um, that are coming in the virtual conference. What else are they going to learn there in addition to my public records class? Oh, you bet. Well, of course, we t- we're talking about websites. And I think two of the key ones that people will want to check out are how to navigate the new Ancestry.com. Of course, Ancestry.com got a new look and has been adding some new features over recent months. And so many people use that website that um, it's always a popular topic among our students. So we're going to have a class led by the author of the unofficial guide to ancestry.com. She's going to walk you through all of those new features and updates so you can help yourself get acquainted with what's possible now and as well as what might have changed to some of the features that you have been using regularly. And another great one is the uh, using the American Memory Collection. Um, this is another one that maybe a lot of people don't know about, but it's a site from the Library of Congress, and it's got digitized photographs, newspapers, music, maps, all kinds of really great historical materials that may not be a picture of your ancestor or a newspaper article specifically mentioning your ancestor, but it's that social historical angle that will give you the color to understand the times that your ancestors lived in. 
Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite websites. I love it. Well, you can explore all of these far more in depth than we can do just here on the episode. Uh, and that's at the Fall 2015 Virtual Conference. It runs September 18th through the 20th of 2015. And don't worry if you're listening to this episode down the road and you feel like, ah, I missed it. You should head to shopfamilytree.com because I think you'll find more information and um, some recordings and um, items that you can tap into even after the event. But be part of the live event because the live chats alone are uh, fabulous and there's all the interaction. So uh, head to familytreeuniversity.com for more information about that. Thanks so much, Allison, and we'll uh, check back in with you at the end of the show. Sounds great, Lisa. Talk to you then. Well, it's time to check in at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Well, we've been talking about the 101 best websites, genealogy websites for 2015. It's pretty much impossible to talk about the best websites uh, without spending some, I think, really focused time on FamilySearch.org. Um, in fact, it's such a force in family history these days that you've just published a new book about it, haven't you? We sure have. The Unofficial Guide to FamilySearch.org. Um, you could think of it as your complete user manual to the site. It's really comprehensive and has lots of great tips and tricks. You know, it, it's it's a really great time for a book like this because if people who are listening haven't been to Family Search for a while, and, and I teach classes around the country, and I'm still surprised how many people say they've never been yet. They've just never checked it out or hadn't heard of it. So if it's been a while, or if you're new to FamilySearch.org, um, this website has gone through a lot of changes over the last couple of years, and it is way more comprehensive than it used to be, isn't it? It sure is. And one of the great things about the site is that the Mormon Church, which administers the site, is constantly adding information to it. So it's really worth visiting fairly frequently because you never know what has been added since the last time you were there. And it's not just um, digitized records, which is great when those new ones come on, but um, new names from indexing efforts, books to the Family History Book Collection, and all kinds of databases that may have some really great clues to help you out. Exactly. And I think, you know, that's something that people are going to really get an impression of from the book. And that is, like you say, that constant work that they're doing, the constant addition, not only of the records, the indexing, the digitized images, it's, I mean, their goal has been to digitize all the millions of records in the great granite vault that we've heard about over the years. Um, but then again, there's so much more, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the site right now. And in the old days, you'd come and there'd be a search box and you would do that. But now it says family tree, memory, search, indexing, talk a little bit about the breadth of what they're going to find here. Yeah, it really does cover the gamut of all kinds of work that you do in genealogy. Of course, the centerpiece is those historical records that you mentioned. Those are coming from microfilms that the um, church has had in the vault um, for years. Those are getting converted slowly, but a lot of it is new images that haven't been um, available before and some from countries that 
the collection hasn't encompassed very much material from in the past, which is really exciting. But, mm-hmm. you know, the family tree has gotten a huge overhaul in recent years. Yes. Um, there used to be just these sort of databases of information that had been submitted by um, users of the site and church members, and that was great, but it wasn't really sort of dynamic in terms of being updated continuously. The new family tree platform offers that. It kind of links everything together. Um, you can manage your family tree and attach the records that you find to it so that it's all kind of seamless um, of an experience for you. So that's great. And then there is this new emphasis on memories and stories where the site gives you an opportunity to include that on your account and preserve those stories and pictures and memories from your family um, in addition to seeking out those historical records to find new members um, to add to your family tree. Yeah, and and you just touched on having an account. And that is something new, particularly if you haven't been there for a while that um, you'll see sign in and get free account. Talk a little bit about that, because there are some advantages to having the free account, aren't there? Yeah, definitely. I would recommend anybody who's going to use the site extensively to sign up for a free account because there's so many features that you can take advantage of. Um, Aside from, you know, allowing you to dig into all of the digitized images, um, that's going to allow you to save those images to something called a source box, which is kind of like a little virtual shoebox where you can bookmark the records that you've looked at and that's really convenient so that you don't have to refind what you've already turned up at a later exactly. date. Yeah, that <laughs> that saves a lot of time and is worth getting your free account just for that in my opinion. Yeah. And I noticed too now that I'm, you know, over here at the website again that it's they've gone mobile friendly, everything's going mobile and this means that uh it's that much easier to search using their website on your mobile phone, your your iPad or tablet. And they also have the app gallery. I know my Genealogy Gems app is listed there and Family Search is putting out apps too, aren't they? Yeah, they really are. That's a good thing to um, be checking on regularly too, because I know they're adding new partners all the time. Um, you know, one other great feature that occurs to me um, is better integration on the site with the Family Search catalog. This is where you would previously just go to look up what kind of microfilms and books are at the Family History Library and that you could get to rent at a Family Search Center. Well, now, when there are digitized items on the site, the catalog will link you to those items, especially books, which is great because then you don't have to find the item identify what it is you're looking for and then have to do a separate search to try and see if you can find it in digital form, that experience is all seamless. Exactly. All great reasons to be heading to familysearch.org. Tell us again the name of this book because it's brand new and it's certainly going to be an item that we can turn to in the coming year. Yes, Unofficial Guide to FamilySearch.org. It's written by Dana McCullough. She's a frequent contributor to Family Tree magazine, and it is available at ShopFamilyTree.com as well as major bookstore chains around the country. Sounds perfect. All right, well, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next month. All right, sounds great, Lisa.
Thanks so much for joining me for this August 2015 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. It's the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. You can check out the show notes for this episode over at familytreemagazine.com slash podcast. And the show notes have links to everything that we've talked about, including familysearch.org that Allison told us about, Diane's blog post all about uh, research tips from the researchers of the Who Do You Think You Are television series, and of course, the link to our 101 best websites for genealogy, and also those public record websites that I mentioned in the Family Tree Crash Course segment. And if you'd like to register for the upcoming fall virtual conference, you can do that at FamilyTreeUniversity.com, or we'll have the link directly over to the conference again in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website, genealogygems.com, where you can listen to my free podcast, the Genealogy Gems podcast, which is also available for free in iTunes, and there is an app for that. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree. 